Let's pray. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. On our dining room table, there are two beautiful, decorated, chocolate-covered buttercream eggs. I love a good buttercream egg. The problem is they're made out of ceramics. <laughs> when we first got married and Vicky put them out, I thought, ooh, I get to eat it. And I picked it like, this isn't an egg. So I don't know what you think about Easter eggs, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind is give me a good buttercream or a coconut cream Easter egg. Uh, one church I served had a huge lawn. And they were famous for their Easter egg hunts after church. And the youth group would leave during the sermon and go put the eggs out. And I'll tell you, the, the little ladies in the church, they would fill eggs at home. I mean, thousands of eggs filling up the church's lawn. Well, they got a new youth pastor, handsome fellow, about this tall, five foot eight, salt and pepper gray beard. And he said they need to hear the sermon on Easter Sunday. What's the point of Easter Sunday if you don't hear the word? So he had them put them out during Sunday school. Thousands of eggs on the lawn. All the little kids lined up after church with their baskets and their Easter dresses and their suits. And they went running out to find that squirrels like Easter eggs. The squirrels had literally, with their little squirrel hands, opened thousands of Easter eggs and eaten all the chocolate. It was gone. Thousands. Oh, I have angry parents and crying children. Oh, it was awful. So some people think of Easter eggs as buttercream. Some think of the little surprise. Or my little sister and I went to an Easter egg hunt when I was about six and she was four. And with her little basket, she's picking up, you know, the little chocolate Easter eggs. The ones with the very thin foil that are hard to unwrap. Don't you hate those? Grandmom always used to put them in the basket. Well, I'm announced to my little sister because she's like four. She picked up a gold one and put it in her basket. Well, the gold Easter egg was the grand prize. And we brought home with us a 50-pound solid chocolate bunny rabbit. We ate that thing, it seemed like, for years. My mom had like a little chisel. You had to hammer off a piece of it, right? Some people think of Easter eggs as the little foil things that are impossible to unwrap. But did you know that kids today, and we just sent them all away, have a completely different idea when you say Easter egg? If you've ever had to watch a superhero movie, Grandmom, you know you've got to watch all the way through the credits. Marvel will put a little vignette about halfway through the credits, and then all the way at the very end, they call it an Easter egg. There's a little scene. It might be an introduction of a new character or tell you what the next movie's going to be about. Or in one of the Marvel movies, they're beating up aliens and halfway through, Iron Man says, when this is all over, I want shawarma. And the Easter egg at the very end is the Incredible Hulk and Thor and Iron Man in a restaurant all eating like barbecue. <laughs> and any fan will tell you, you have to wait for the Easter egg. It's gonna to point to something new. It's gonna introduce a new character, resolve an unanswered question, or give us a sense of relief 
Cleopas and the player to be named later, because we never get the name of that person. Cleopas and the player to be named later never waited till the end of the movie. They had no idea that the story wasn't over. Did you ever think about that? Now, talking about the player to be named later, at the end of the story, the player to be named later and Cleobas say, stay with us. And some scholars believe it might have been Mrs. Cleopas. It could have been another disciple. But here's what they say about the two of these people. They were listed as believers, as disciples. That means they possibly lived in Emmaus because they invited Jesus to stay with them, possibly husband and wife. And they knew him in the breaking of the bread. That's significant because it was only four days ago that he broke the bread. Now, yes, Jesus had prayed with the disciples and eaten with the disciples and said grace with the disciples. But to be that clear, and they knew him in the breaking of the bread, meant that they were close enough to know about the Last Supper. And they knew the report of the women. Now, remember, we talked about this last week. The women were not a reliable source, which is why they said it that way. Some women came and told us. And what did they say next? We, we actually had to send the men to go check up on the story of the women. And then we found out the tomb was empty, but still nobody has seen Jesus except for Mary Magdalene. They didn't hear the end of the story. And they cared enough, pardon me, <coughs> they cared enough, hear this, to immediately go back to Jerusalem. Now, Emmaus is either seven miles or 18 miles away from Jerusalem, depending on which interpretation you take. So I, I preached on this many years ago and I called it the Jerusalem 10K because a 10K is about 6.6 miles. And it says that they immediately went back. And I have this image of Cleopas and his wife in their robes running back. We saw Jesus, we saw Jesus. Now, if it was 18 miles, it would have been the first marathon, but they... <laughs> They, they immediately went back. And I got to tell you, somebody in my family, and probably not me, would say, do we have to go back right now? Couldn't we get a good night's sleep? I mean, we walked all the way from Jerusalem to here. Do we have to go back right now? And the answer was yes. They immediately had to go back. Why? Because they left before the end of the movie. They missed... The I see dead people twist. Think about that. Do you remember when you were in that movie and the little kid looks at, oh, what's his name? Bruce Willis and says, I see dead people. I was with my first wife on New Year's Eve seeing that movie. He said that. I said, I know how the movie ends. She said, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> right? Do not ruin this movie for me. Well, I want you to hear that because if a Cleopas and the player to be named later had continued on their journey and not met Jesus, they would have been telling the wrong end of the story. Now, you know, Vicki and I watch a lot of Hallmark movies. Vicki watches a lot of Hallmark movies and I read a lot while Vicki watches them, but I do pay attention. And there's always this moment where the heroine or the hero 
Here's only half the story. Well, I'm, I've been offered a job in New York, or I'm going to close down this, or I'm, and, and they're like aghast that this person would do that, and then it's not until the very end when somebody goes, oh, that's not really happened. He didn't really say that. You didn't hear the whole thing, and then the story makes sense. That's exactly what happens with Cleopas, and I don't know, should we keep calling her the player to be named later, huh? right? When we get to heaven, we'll know who it is. We'll put it on the list after the belly button question, right? That they never heard the end. And if Jesus hadn't stopped them, they would have been telling the wrong end of the story. So where's Jesus in this? Jesus saw a need. And I want you to hear this. Not just the need of the message going in the wrong direction, but he saw two hurting people, two broken souls. They were discouraged. They said to him, how could you come from Jerusalem and not know what was going on? They were despondent. They were downcast. They were dejected. They were not happily walking home. The story in their mind had ended and it was the wrong ending and they were not happy. So what did Jesus do? He fixed a misconception. He taught the world's greatest and unrecorded Bible lesson. I have heard preachers for my entire life say, oh, how I wish I could have been there on that walk and heard Jesus go from Moses and through all the prophets to tell the story of the Messiah. Well, added to the list of questions, you got belly buttons, you got Mrs. Cleopas, and now you've got what did he say? In fact, I imagine there might be a little pamphlet stand when you get through the gate of heaven, and one of them be the Sermon on Emmaus. Just pick it up. It's there. Just, just pick it up. He called Cleopas and his friend back to fellowship. I want you to hear that. They were like little runaway kittens. Have you ever tried to get all the kittens in the box at the same time? It is not an easy job. Or have you ever tried to get all the same kindergarten kids on the carpet at the same time? Let's come into the carpet. Doc Madison has a story. One is dancing and spinning. One is barking like a dog. One decides to hide under the table. I need his laughing because she knows this is true. One says, I want to color. We're not coloring. Get on the carpet. I have a pop-up book. I read that book. I don't need to read it. Get on the carpet. That's exactly what's happening. All the disciples are in the upper room hiding for fear of the Jews, and these two kittens have escaped. And Jesus says, no, you need to come back to fellowship. You got to get back in the box. And hear this. He confirmed the story. Story, air quotes, that they had heard from the women. Just the same way that he confirmed it for the disciples in the upper room. And eight days later, for Thomas. He confirmed it. I am not dead. He is risen, risen indeed. So then I had to do some math. You know me. I got to do some math. Seven miles. Now, I, I go on the treadmill at the gym. And I set it for 20 minutes a mile. That's three miles an hour, and I get going. And then as I progress and get a little warmer, I make it faster. I can do a mile in between 17 and 18 minutes walking. This old man does not run. 
And the kids know that at school. I don't bend and I don't run. If you're going to run, I'm going to wave goodbye and call the office. Ain't chasing. So, but I can do. So, seven miles would take about two hours and 20 minutes. And they had, imagine, they had the risen Christ walking with them, talking with them, caring for them, loving them, calling them back to fellowship for two and a half hours. Who wouldn't want to be part of that? Two hours and 20 minutes with Jesus alone. And they touched the presence of God. And they walked with Jesus. They walked up and down. They walked straight and curved. They walked narrow and broad. They walked smooth and rough. Jesus walked with them. He spoke with them. He loved them. He corrected them. And he called them back to himself. Jesus didn't just do it for them. He does it for all of us today. But hear this, only if you're on the journey. If you're not on the path, then Jesus isn't walking with you. Think of it this way. Do you want to go to a game and miss the buzzer beater? Do you want to miss the last strike in a perfect game? Do you want to miss that 30-foot putt to win the Masters? Do you want to miss the walk-off home run? Or in my world, do you want to miss the fat lady singing? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Jesus is with you. He's with you at the beginning. He's with you at the middle. He's with you at the end. Even if you try to leave early, (laughs) he's with you at the end. He doesn't walk away from us. But sometimes we walk away from him. I don't know where you are this morning. Are you on the up and down? Do you have family issues, financial issues, work issues, health issues? Jesus walks with you. Are you on the straight or the crooked? You're unsure, unclear, uncertain where the path leads? Jesus walks with you. Are you on the smooth or the rough? Some people on the smooth think they'll never see the rough again. That's probably one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves. There's always rough coming. There's always a bump in the road. It's never smooth all the time. Jesus walks with you. So I guess the real question for us this morning is are you walking with Jesus? Some people choose their own path and they complain when they're in jeopardy or lost. Help, help, they say. Jesus is far away. My seminary professor used to say, if Jesus seems far away, ask yourself, who moved? Some people wander off the path. And I heard this story the other day about a master who owned two dogs, Snowflake, Snowball, and Midnight. I'm sorry, Snowball and Midnight. And they lived on a farm, and it was the perfect dog life. They got to lay in the sun during the day, roll up through the fields, and the only requirement was at dinner time, when the master called, they had to come immediately. And every day the master would call, and Snowball and Midnight would answer that call and come to dinner. And one day he called, and a little rabbit ran right across Snowball's path. And Snowball knew... I'm supposed to go, the master called, but 
that rabbit looked like so much fun. And he chased the rabbit, and he missed dinner. And the next day when the master called, Snowball went right back. But you know what? That rabbit showed up again and again, and after a while, Snowball just started chasing the rabbit. And one day, the master took him to the forest to let them frolic there, and when the master called, Snowball was so used to not listening, he just kept right on going. And he never got to live in the presence and the fellowship of the master ever again. Do I have to say it? Sometimes we're Snowball, aren't we? The master calls and we do whatever we want. We chase those rabbits. Not the rabbits we talk about in Bible study, but we're chasing rabbits. We're chasing fame and fortune and money and friends and whatever it is you chase. And the master calls and we stop listening. Some people have not yet found the path. They're probably the most exciting ones. They're the people that we're called to share the good news with. Invite them on the path to walk with us. Some people have found the path, and that was enough for them, and they just put up a bag chair. My wife and I were driving the other day, and there was a man changing a flat tire, and his wife had gotten the bag chair out of the car and was sitting on the side of 55 reading a book with a drink while her husband changed the tire. There are people who have done that on the path of faith. They're like, I'm here. I found the path. Get my chair. Get my drink. I'm good. No, you're not good. There's a journey to be traveled. There's a destination to be found. Why do people sometimes, or some people, have found the path, begun the journey, but stopped? They're the people who say, well, you know, Sunday is my only day to rest. Have you met these people? Or all that church does is ask for Oh, you've heard that one too. Good. Or the church is full of? Oh, you've heard that one too. Or better yet, I, I had a bad experience. I was four years old and I prayed for a pony. And I never got a pony and God doesn't listen. Oh, my Lord, help us. But there are people who refuse to continue because God didn't do what they asked them to do. Our place as co-travelers of Jesus is fourfold. If you're taking notes, this is the important part to write down. The first one is you've got to focus on the path and the destination. You've heard me say this more than once. My goal in life is to get to heaven and take as many people with me as possible. The second thing is we've got to look for fellow travelers on the road. Have you ever been on a long walk all by yourself and then somebody you know comes along? The walk gets easier. And the more people that travel with us, the easier the walk gets. The ups and the downs, the side to side, the rough and the straight. We need to travel together. Then we need to seek the lost and the lagging and the lonely. The people who haven't yet found the path or have set a bag chair up on the side. We have to say, hold it. There's more to this. We have to seek them. And the last thing, probably the most important thing, if you go home and you only talk about one thing at lunch today, make this thing the thing you talk about. You can't stop until you see Jesus. You can't stop. You've got to continue the journey until you see Jesus. If you've never found the path, 
If you've lost or left the path, or you feel called to start, let's say, a ministry to invite and ask other people to to share that walk with you. During the last hymn, our first pew is open, and our deacons and our pastors would love the opportunity to pray with you. Amen.